chapter 3. We are continuing our series in Galatians, and um, last week, Pastor Joel walked us through uh, Galatians, the end of Galatians 2, and um, if you, as you're turning to Galatians 3, you can stop in um, chapter 2, verse 16, uh, which, you know, in many ways is the theme of the whole book. So in 2.16, Paul says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So that is the, Paul, uh, the point that Paul is trying to make. And now, as we get to Galatians 3, he will try to encourage and strengthen the Galatians to believe that, to call them. And he, so he's going to make an argument to them to believe this and to walk as if it's true, because it is. And so the main point of this passage, we're going to be in verses 1 through 5 this morning, Lord willing, verses 1 through 5. The main point, the emphasis of Paul in this passage, and for us this morning, is that God's people are saved by faith and are sanctified by faith, not by works of the law. All right, so God's people are saved by faith, are sanctified by faith, and not by works of the law. Now, why does this matter? Why does this matter for us here this morning? Well, let me ask you a couple of questions. <clears throat> Have you ever been in a season in your life, in your Christian life, where you feel like you're just not growing? Like you're just not growing. Well, no matter what you do, you just feel like you're stuck, you're stagnant, you're not really making any progress in the faith, your love for God seems to have diminished. You know, if you have been there, you can probably recall many times in your life, or maybe a couple of times in your life, where your love for God was fervent, you felt like you were growing, you felt like it was flourishing, and you were learning a lot, you had so much desire for the things of God, and now you look at your life now and you say, well, that's just not how it used to be. You wish it was the case, but your reading and your fellowship and your singing, all of those things are not accomplishing the same things that they used to. Maybe now you're, you know, you're doing the right things, you know you're doing the things that you're supposed to be doing, or maybe you've tried and tried and tried, and you just think this is not working, and you're tempted to just give up. If we're honest, I think many of us would actually say that we're in a season similar to that. So, what do you do when you are in a lean season? How can you be faithful to God when you feel like you're not growing? What will help you grow? My hope is that today's message will actually be an exhortation to you, but also a comfort and an encouragement as you seek to grow. Because the truth is that many of us look inwardly to try to change things, right? We look to ourselves. We ultimately find that to be a very frustrating endeavor. We think, oh, all that I need to do, right, is I just need to try harder. And then what happens when you try harder? It doesn't work. So you think, well, what I need to do is I just need to try even harder. And as you try harder, that still doesn't work. You keep trying, you keep failing, you keep sinning, and you just think, what do I have to do? As you look at yourself and you try and try and try, the danger is that just like the Galatians, that you would be foolish and you would be drawn away from what is most needful. The temptation is that you would be disobedient to Christ as you seek to live by the law instead of faith. So that's why this matters. Right? This is very big things at stake. So let's read our passage this morning and let's 
um, examine what God has for us. So this is God's word. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So that's our passage. And so, big picture, uh, let me try to um, illustrate it for you. Paul's argument, and I don't know if we have that up on the screen. If not, no big deal. But um, Paul's argument is that living by works of the law will bring curse and death. So if you live by works of the law, it will bring curse and death. But if you live by faith in Christ, it will bring blessing and life. So that's what Paul's, the point that Paul's trying to make. Live by faith, life blessing, live by the law, curse and death. And how is he going to convince them? Big picture as you look at the outline of this passage. Uh, in these few verses, again, he begins his argument. We'll see more in the coming weeks. But his first argument is threefold. One, Christ was proclaimed to you. Okay, so that's Paul's first point. As he calls them back to Jesus, he says, Christ was proclaimed to you. Secondly, you receive the Spirit by faith and not by works of the law. And thirdly, miracles and works of the Holy Spirit were performed among you by faith and not by works of the law. All right, pretty, pretty good argument, right? We could say that, pretty good argument. So let's walk through the passage slowly and see what it can teach us. Let's read verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Okay, let's stop there for a second. One point that I want to make for you as you think about sanctification, right, growing to be more like Jesus, as you think about growing, if you're going to grow, there's a couple things you have to know. And the first one is the sanctification is a slow, non-linear process. Slow, non-linear process. It takes time. It's not easy. It's not magical, right? It doesn't just happen automatically most times. And oftentimes, as you're growing, it will feel like you are taking three steps forward and two steps backwards, and then two steps backwards again, and then one backwards, and then two forward, right? This is what sanctification is. It is hard. It's not easy. It's not um, without failing. Because the reality is that our fleshly nature still remains and will continue to plague us until we are glorified. So Luther, I think, was the one who made this point about the fact that sanctification is a slow process. How do we see this? Oh, Galatians, oh, foolish Galatians, right? Who has bewitched you? Paul is writing to a church of Christians, the people who have believed the gospel. And what has happened to these Galatians is that they're tempted to be drawn away and to believe in a false gospel. They're disobeying Christ and the gospel, and they're actually seeking to live by the law instead of faith. So Paul is addressing the Galatian church believers, and they are found to be wanting. They're not walking according to God's word. They're still foolish. They're prone to be deceived. And this is just what Christianity is, right? We will get things wrong. We will fail. We will have to get back up again and repent. And so if you're going to be faithful to God... If you want to grow, really grow, one key aspect you have to know is that sanctification 
Even in sanctification, for as long as you live, your life will be full of sins and weaknesses. You will not overcome these things. Your goal is not to be perfect here in this life. If that is your goal, you will be terribly frustrated and disappointed. Because if you lose sight of this, this will, this will actually prevent you from walking in faith. Okay, that should be encouraging to us. should be encouraging to us. So, a couple of things that means. One, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope when it seems like change is slow and when it seems like things are going backwards. Have faith in God. Look to Him. Press on. But secondly, also, that means don't pretend like you're perfect. Don't pretend like you're without sin. Don't be the person, don't show to others the person you want to be. Show them who you are. Show them who God has made you to be. Don't pretend like you're without sin. Because if you understand the sin that is in you, and you're open and honest about it, you will be able to love sinners, and you will find the love of sinners to be a help and encouragement to you. So that means, right, by the way, that means that if you want to grow in fellowship with others, if you feel like, I feel like I'm not really growing, I feel like there's just something missing, I just feel like I'm, you know, closed off from other people, I'm not sure, it very well could be that you're not having faith in God, and in the truth that you are a sinner that needs grace, and you're living a different life. You have to have faith to be honest about your struggles. And one of the fruits of faith, of that, acting in faith, is the closeness with brothers and sisters often comes. Right? It's not always. But it is a fruit and it is a blessing that comes as we walk in obedience and faith. So if you want to grow with others, have faith in God and be open about your sins. You don't have to worry about what they're going to think of you. Right? They have their own sins. And as we're honest about them, we can actually grow and love each other in our sins and weaknesses. The truth, right, is that no one, no one is without sin. So don't live as you are, because there's only one that is without sin. And that's who Paul points us to first and foremost. Keep reading verse 1. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. All right, this is... Paul's first supporting point. He's trying to say, living by the works of the law will accomplish nothing. Living by faith is so much better. And the first point is, Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed to you. What does this mean? The Galatians didn't actually see Jesus die on the cross. So what is Paul actually referring to? Paul's point is that he has preached the gospel to them. He and others have preached the gospel to them, have given them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul has given them Jesus and him crucified on the cross in a way that is so vivid and so clear, he has painted a picture for them of Jesus dying for them, of their love and of the sacrifice, that they have now heard it, and now they, it's, like, it's like they have seen it with their own eyes. They have seen it and perceived it clearly. They're without excuse. They know the gospel because Paul has given it to them. So Paul is effectively saying to the Galatians, you have heard the gospel, you have seen the true gospel at work, why do you now reject it? <coughs> so in a similar way, church, let me remind you. You have heard the gospel. Your pastors have labored in love to have you know the gospel, to proclaim to you Christ and his great love for you, the fact that Jesus died to pay the penalty for your sins. And this is important, so we're going to spend a little bit of time on this, right? Everything depends on this. Why did Jesus die? Christ is being proclaimed to you. Why did Jesus die? 
He died not just as an example, right, of his love, of, of how we are to sacrifice for others. Right? He did that and more. He didn't die just to show you his love. He did more than that. He actually, on the cross, he purchased your salvation. On the cross, he paid the wages that your sins had earned for you. He died in your place. He took the wrath. Your sins earned you the wrath of God. You deserve to be punished by God the Father for all of eternity. That's what your sins have given you. That's what you deserve. And Jesus said, in love, I will see you and I will die for you. I will take that wrath that you rightly deserve to face and I will take it upon myself. And then Christ made us clean. And now the righteousness that he has, living perfectly, something we could not do, is now given to believers, those who would believe in faith. Hear this, key is faith. So church, do not forget this. Do not forget this. Heed, right? Heed to those who have loved you, have taught you. This will be good. This will do good to your souls. Because there's many, many things that we're going to be tempted to trust in. Right? You ought to trust in Christ. But there's many things you can trust in. And as you're tempted, look to the cross. That is the basis for our salvation, for our growth, for everything starts with Christ. You never graduate from that. So as Paul establishes Christ as the cornerstone, as the foundation, he continues on with our passage. And now, a little comical here, the next, so verse 2, Paul then continues, and he says, let me ask you only this. Okay, Paul is setting up here, trying to argue with them. You know this. Let me just kind of show you how you're not living according to what you know. And in some ways, you think, okay, he's going to ask one question. He goes on to ask like five questions in the next couple of verses, right? So let me ask you only this. He goes on to ask a lot of questions. But he's showing them how they're not living according to how they should. So you would do well, Galatian church, to remember what you know, what we've taught you. And don't be so smart that you neglect the most basic and important truths. Because the second point is that salvation is by faith alone. Salvation is by faith alone. Now, his second argument here, first, first question, let me just read it for us. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? When you were saved, did you receive the Spirit as you were seeking to be faithful to the law or as you were trusting in faith? With faith, right? The point is, he's calling them back to the moment of their salvation. The Galatians are saved. He's calling them back to the moment of their salvation. Did they receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And they know that the answer is hearing by faith. Because regeneration, when the Holy Spirit is given to you, when we're giving a new heart, that is always tied to faith, not to works of the law. Now, I'm not going to belabor this point because we've taught on this. Joel uh, taught on that probably more clear than I could have, uh, you know, last week. And so, and there's still more to come in this section. But... The Galatians know that the Holy Spirit came to them by faith and not by works. They know this by experience. And this is the case for all of us. The case, this should be the case for all of you. You should know that by faith too. Experientially, if you have been saved, if you're in Christ, you should know it came not by how well you kept the law, but by faith. Because works of the law, as Paul says, have never and could never make one righteous before God. That's Galatians 2.16. So every single testimony of God's grace begins not when I obeyed or I figured it out, 
or I did the right things, and then God, no, it begins with God. God does something before any of us can do anything to deserve it. That's the case for all of us. That's the case in all of Scripture. And there's one passage that I think just shows that very clearly that I want to show you. And there's a lot in the Old Testament, but let me just show you one from the New Testament to illustrate that. Acts 10, 44 to 45. Acts 10. Don't think that's on the screen. Uh, maybe it is. Oh, yeah, I put it up there. Uh -huh. So you can look at the screen. Acts 10, 44 to 45. I should probably turn there in my Bible, though. <clears throat> so this, is, uh, this instance is Peter. Right? Peter and Cornelius. Cornelius um, had a revelation from God, called Peter. Peter also has a revelation from God, goes to Cornelius and the Gentiles, and now he, you know, the Gentiles have not received the Holy Spirit, and now Cornelius you know, is asking to hear the gospel, and Peter comes to the Cornelius and his household and the Gentiles, begins to preach to them, and this is what happens, verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, so while he was still preaching the gospel, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. The Holy Spirit was poured out before they could do anything to deserve it. It was poured out to them, even on the Gentiles. Okay, that second illustration is even on the Gentiles. Who are Gentiles? Galatians are Gentiles. People who were apart from the law. The Galatians should know from experience, from what they know, that they did not do anything to deserve the gift of the Holy Spirit. They were working apart from the law, and if they thought that by living according to the law, they would gain the Holy Spirit, well, they were not living by the law when they gained the Holy Spirit, so that cannot be true. The Galatians were Gentiles apart from the law of Moses, and so Paul is appealing, them, appealing to them what they already know, the fact that God always justifies by faith apart from the law. This is the case in the Old Testament, as we'll see next week. This is the case for the Galatians, and this is the case for us. And so, this is almost a weekly reminder for us, right? Don't live, church, as if your salvation depended on you and what you can do. Don't live trusting in your ability to keep the law. Because the law demands and demands and demands, and you cannot meet its demands. Instead, the gospel gives freely, right? So receive freely. I think one of the reasons why we often get tripped up in this, right, is I think, Pat, this is what I do. It. Um, salvation is such a great thing, right? We know, okay, I'm such a sinner. I need somebody great to come save me. This is such a marvelous thing. Like, I cannot believe that God would give it to me. So this is such a great thing man, I need to be able to do something, right? Something to deserve it, something to make myself worthy of it. I need to be able to, like, do something because this is so great. I have to do some great work. Salvation is a great work. But the problem with that line of thinking, you're thinking too highly of yourself, right? You think that there is actually something that you can do to make yourself worthy of it. That our works of the law will not accomplish anything. And at the same time, we think too lowly of what Christ has done, that he could actually accomplish it apart from us doing, ever doing anything. He was given this to us when we were his enemies. Okay, and now we can live and obey and trust him because of what he has done for us, not what we could do for God. So trust in Christ as your only hope. Salvation is a great thing, but your Savior is a great Savior. So trust in him. Because we know... We all know 
if you've tried, you will know that if you seek to be saved by your obedience, if you seek to be saved and made right with God by how you keep the law, you'll be frustrated. You will fail. But also, going back to our growing, if you seek to be sanctified by your obedience, you will also be frustrated and fail. And that's our third point. And Paul's third supporting point is that sanctification is by faith. Justification is by faith. We're made right with God by faith. And now we grow to be like Christ by faith, not by works of the law. Let's read verse 3. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Stop there. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? We know that the Galatians started well. Paul planted the church. They started well. Galatians 5.7 tells us, actually, that they were running well. They were running well. So what happened? What happened that they were running well, and now they're at this point? Well, they started out well. They, were, they started out by the Spirit, and now they're beginning to, to seek to be perfected by the flesh. They turned their attention from Christ to themselves. They're trusting in their ability to keep the law. So Paul's question for them and for you, again, second question is, are you so foolish? Are you here this morning? If Paul asked you, are you so foolish? What would you say? You should all say, yes, I am that foolish. Yes, I am foolish. Church, you all do this. You all do this. If you are in Christ and you begin by the Spirit, you all are tempted. You have many ways in which you want to be perfected by the flesh instead of by the Word and by faith. So the warning is for the Galatians, but the warning is the same for you. You have heard the gospel preached to you. You have believed it with faith. And now, don't live as if you can live apart from faith. You know that your salvation depended on faith, but now you begin to trust in other things. I don't know what that is for you, necessarily, but there's many things you can trust in. Don't seek to be perfected by the flesh. If you want to grow and please God, that has to come from God himself. That cannot come from you first and foremost. You cannot, you want to graduate, right? You think, okay, faith, I understand the gospel, great. What's the next thing? Well, you cannot graduate from the most important thing. Faith in Christ is the foundation. It's what everything else builds upon. If you lose that part and you begin to look somewhere else, you will distort the gospel. You do never graduate from faith. You never lose the main thing. Living by works of the law is a foolish endeavor. It's foolish when you try to do this. When you try to look to yourself and you try to do the works of the law and other things, this is foolishness. But God loves fools and saves fools, right? Praise God. Verse 4 then tells us that if you put emphasis on the flesh and not in faith, you will suffer more than you should and in vain. So Paul actually is zealous that we understand that we will not suffer in vain. Now, what's the connection between suffering and growing? What's the connection between suffering and sanctification? Well, one connection is we know that sanctification, one of the means for God to grow us and sanctify us is actually through suffering. God uses suffering to teach us, to mold us into his image, to shed our love for the world, to long for the things of God. So verse 4, Paul says that you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain. As a follower of Christ, you will suffer many things. You may be suffering many things right now. The 
question that you have before you is, will you let your suffering mean something? Will you let that suffering count? Or will you suffer in vain? Will you allow the suffering that is happening to you to bear the fruit in your life that God is working in you? Or will you just give up and look to yourself? In suffering, it's so hard. You have to remember, don't suffer in vain. How can you make your suffering count? You suffer with faith. You suffer with faith in Christ. Cling to Jesus, church. Cling to Jesus when it seems like you have no other hope and nothing that you try works. Cling to Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that the sufferer will stop or even that it will get any easier. But it will accomplish what God intends for you. And I don't have any expectation that you will get it right. How can I not have that expectation? Because I know I don't get it right. So I know that you will not do this perfectly. But I still love you enough to tell you that it is always better, always better to live by faith. It always will yield better fruit. Because works of the law will bring nothing to you. Trusting in yourself will bring nothing to you. And so if you have faith in suffering, in God's word, things like Romans 8, right, that the suffering of this present time will not, are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us, you will suffer better. If you trust, right, like Romans 4, when it tells us that suffering produces endurance and character, hope, then you will glory in your suffering because you know that God is doing something in you. The suffering may not stop, but you will not suffer in vain because if you suffer with faith, you will suffer well and you will bring glory to God and you will suffer with, your right with the right perspective. And that will help you. And I want to help you. So praise God that you don't have to suffer in vain because Christ suffered and he accomplished that for you. He did not suffer in vain. Which then leads us to verse 5. How am I doing on time? Great. I have a lot more time to teach you guys. Verse 5. In this verse, Paul continues to elaborate, right, on the premise that sanctification is by faith and not by works. Now he reminds them of miracles, works of the Holy Spirit that were happening among them. Uh, verse 5. Does he, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Again, all these questions, rhetorical questions, the answer they know is hearing with faith. So miracles were performed among the Galatians, not by works of the law, but by faith. Now, we don't know what these miracles are. Paul doesn't specifically tell, me, tell us, or maybe he does, and I don't know it. You'll have to teach me. But uh, we don't know exactly what these look like, right? And it wouldn't do that much good for us to speculate. But the point of it is, did you see the Holy Spirit at work in you? Did you see evidences of God working in, among you? And the answer is yes. And so, yes, we did. Was that brought about by how well you kept the law? No, it was brought about by faith. So now for us, do we see the Spirit at work today? You should say, yes, the Spirit is at work today in our church, in our families, right? It is the Spirit of God who gives life to men who are dead in their sins. It is the Spirit of God that is restoring marriages in our church. It is the Spirit of God that is growing in us to produce the fruits of the Spirit that Paul will talk about in chapter 5. All of these things that we see are evidences that God's Spirit is at work Something that man cannot create that only God can bring about. And Paul was seeing these fruits, right? When he planted the church and the church was growing 
in listening to Paul's teaching, Paul was seeing these fruits of the Spirit, right? They had, the Galatian church had genuine love for Paul. But what happens when you begin to work to live by the law instead of by faith? Their love for God, for Paul, actually diminished, right? They began to desert their teacher, the one who taught them and loved them. So be careful if your love for others grows dim. It may be that you're living by the law and not by faith. Church, if you believe the, sin, the salvation and sanctification come to us by faith, then don't trust in anything but Christ to grow you. Because the truth is, there's many things that we've tried to be sanctified by, okay, but you're not sanctified by your works. Let me explain that. What works could you be trusting in that are sanctifying you, that you think are sanctifying you? Things like your Bible reading, your church attendance, your church service, you're giving to those in need. We would all agree all these things are good things, right? But if you're trusting in those things and in your ability to keep those things and that standard that you've set for yourself, as the reason for why you will grow, then you have it all upside down. It is not your good works that sanctify you. Even good works are good for a reason, but those good works do not sanctify you. It is faith in God that sanctifies you. And so if you do all of those things, right, you read your Bible every day perfectly, you serve well, better than everybody else, you have the best Christian resume, and yet you have no faith, and you will not grow. Apart from faith, those works cannot do anything from you, or they will not yield any fruit. A man full of discipline with no faith will ultimately perish. So if you trust in your ability to be disciplined, it will let you down. That should be an exhortation to you who, those of you who trust a lot in your ability to be disciplined. Hear that. Don't trust in that. And in those of you who are just always beat down by the fact that I'm not as disciplined as so-and-so-and-so, be encouraged. You can have faith in God. Works of the law will let you down. These works, these good works, will only be a help to you as you live by faith and as they cost you to live by faith. And then God will bring his sanctification about, right? So you're not sanctified by your works. You're not sanctified by your emotions. Just a brief aside that just came to me this morning. You're not sanctified by your emotions. If you feel like you're not growing, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not growing. So don't trust in your emotions. Don't lead a life that is just full, that is just led by your emotions. Instead of letting your emotions dictate what you should do, take steps of faith, even when it's hard. Thirdly, you're not sanctified by man. You're not sanctified by any man. You can't sanctify yourself. Hopefully you've seen that clearly. Now stop trying to be sanctified by others and what others think of you. Now, what are some examples of those? What does that mean? Very specific example to us. Bloomington Bible Church, the people in this church cannot save you. I can't save you. No one here can save you. Many of you have rightly, have grown in love for this local church, which really is wonderful, but the church cannot save you, and so we ought not to put our trust in men. If you put too much trust in men, eventually you will actually care too much about what they think, and you'll eventually fail and be unfaithful to Christ. Don't put your trust in men. What will you do? Okay, We've all prayed for a building for a long time. What will you do if God gives us a church building and we get 50 new people. 
Well, guess what? There's real implications to that. Praise God, first of all, right? But then 50 more people, it may mean that that closeness that you feel with people now that you like know everybody and you're so close, you know, like that may just not be the case anymore. And you think, I'm losing my church. What do I do when I feel like I'm not as close, we're not as close-knit of a family because we have more people? Don't put your trust in a church. Don't put your trust in men. The dynamic of the church may likely look different in the coming years. Is that an excuse to stop growing? Absolutely not. If that happens and you feel like you're not growing, remember, it is not man who sanctifies you. The faith in God. And God can be gracious to us with the circumstances that he's given us. He knows what is for our church. I don't know what's for our church in the next coming years. We will continue to be faithful. I don't know what's coming. But God does. And he'll be faithful to see us through, right? And so, you can love God. You can love the church that God has given you with all her failings, even when it changes because it does not depend on man. Now let's make the circle even smaller. Okay, what about your small group? What about your small group? You're not sanctified by man, so you're not sanctified by your small group either. It is a gift, though, right? It is a gift to have men and women, right, that you can grow alongside, that can exhort you. But at the end of the day, it is faith in God that will sanctify you. It is as those men and women help you to live by faith that you can grow. So why do I tell you that? In the, com- if in the you know, coming months and years, there may need to be changes in small groups because of all the kids that are running around and we can't figure out how to make everything work. If things need to change and your small group needs to change, for the good of a church, will you trust in man or will you trust in God? It's that simple. It's harder to say. It's harder to do it, but it's that simple to say it. Young ones, right, young ones, your parents are a gift to you. Listen to them, right, and cherish them. And know that their faith will not save you. You must have faith in Christ. So because of all these things, the solution, if you're not growing, the solution is not as simple as just changing another church, changing small groups, changing parents, you know. If this was the case, what would that mean? It means that it depends on man, but it depends on God. And so have faith that God can grow you even in far, far, far from perfect situations. That is how God likes to work sometimes, when it depends on him and not on man. You grow to put off sin, you grow to be more like Christ, not by works of the law, not by emotions, not by man, but by faith in God. And what does faith look like? Faith isn't just saying the right things, believing the right things, right? Satan knows these things. Right? If you trust in your ability to be, have a great score in your Bible quiz bowl, right, that will get you absolutely nowhere because Satan will crush you in your Bible quiz bowl. It means not just knowing, not just having an intellectual assent, but actually a commitment to live by that, to live by that truth. And so I want to give you some practical ways because I could just tell you, right, I could just kind of end our time and just say, hey, live by faith. It'll go great for you. Have a great week. You're loved. I could say live by faith, but living by faith is not just this ethereal thing that just kind of happens and we're just always striving for. It actually means something. It has practical applications for us. It is concrete. So a couple of examples that I want to give to you. Fear of man. Fear of man. I suffer fear of man terribly. Many of us do in this church. And Paul talks about it in Galatians several times. So what does faith, what does living by faith look like when you know, let me give you just one example, you know that you should share your faith with an unbeliever, 
or you know that you need to go to um, somebody who's living in sin, and you know that right now what God is calling you to do is to rebuke them, to call them to live according to how God has made them. Do you know that this is what you should do? But it's really scary. Really, really scary, because what will they think of you? Will they ever want to talk to you again? What does living by faith look like in this circumstance? Well, you live by faith by remembering God's words, right? Matthew 10, 28. Jesus says, and do not fear those who kill the body, who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So living by faith means that you remember that man can't do absolutely anything to your soul. And if that's true, and if you live by that, then you will want to act as if your first aim is to please God. And again, you're not going to get this right every time. But then when you recognize that you're falling short, have faith to return to God and ask him to help you. Okay, what about loving others? Okay, faith requires, loving others requires faith. What about loving others? Maybe this week, it'll be really hard for you to love your spouse, maybe to love a family member, to love a friend. How do you love someone that is making it really, really, really difficult for you to love them? What if you even know, okay, you know, you're, you know the right works to do. You know, if I say this, that would be the right thing to do. But even if you were to say everything correct and right, you know that they will still accuse you and throw insults at you. So, like, why am I even trying? What does living by faith look like in this scenario? Remember, you live by faith in Christ, not in man. And so, you don't place your faith in your spouse. You don't place your faith in that loved one and how they will respond. You place your faith in Christ. And what does this do? It frees you. It frees you. Because now you can obey God, and it doesn't matter what the other person will do. If you were to trust in that person and their response, then you're in shackles to whatever they will do to man and their feebleness. But if you trust God and his unfailing love for you and unchanging nature, then you'll be free to love because it doesn't matter how they respond. You can still be obedient and faithful to God. And you can do it to please God and not man. And so when a loved one is acting like an enemy, right? <laughs> and just wants to respond in kind. You just want to answer back to them how they've responded back to you and you want to take revenge. Have faith in God's word. Romans 12, 19-21 says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. That's a scary thing, right? For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Trust that. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And how can you do such a thing? How can you actually love your enemies? Seems impossible, right? You can do it because Christ did it for you. He loved you when you were his enemy. Living by faith means striving, right? Even if it's, it doesn't have to be great and majestic things and you don't have to change the world. Living by faith means taking little steps of obedience and doing what God is calling you to do regardless of how difficult it may seem. And I know it's difficult. I know it's difficult. No one expects perfection. You will get it wrong. But have faith to fail in the right direction. Okay, that is why faith is why husbands, right? 
what husbands can lead, even if it causes conflict in the home. That is why wives can submit and respect even when they don't agree with the leadership of their husbands. That's why children can obey their parents even when they don't understand where they're coming from. It's because you have faith in God that the position that he's given you and the responsibilities that he's tasked you with are far better for you to operate under that than outside of his design for you. Trust in God. Trust in God. So this goes for all areas, all areas of life, right? This is where I'm going to end it. Every question in your life ultimately comes back to this. Will you have faith in God or will you try to live by your works? Every question, like how do you grow in knowledge? Okay, will God provide for me this week? Does he love me? He has given answers to all of these things and all of these concerns in his words because he knows you and he cares for you. And so I just want to leave you, like Paul, let me ask you only this. Will you believe? Will you live by faith? And as you do that, okay, don't get tripped up. You've begun in the spirit. Don't begin to be perfected by the flesh. Remember that all of these things, all of your obedience and all of your steps of faith, all of it is only possible by God's spirit. So trust in him and not in yourself. And that doesn't mean that you won't struggle with the same sins over and over again or that you won't fail. But if you live by faith, you will be blessed and you will find life. And that's the point. All right, let's pray. Thank you, most gracious Father, that um, you saw us when we could not save ourselves. And in love, you predestined us to become your children. Lord, what a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing for our minds to comprehend. We even need your spirit to understand the depth of your love for us. And so, Father, I ask for your help. I ask that you would help us to be men and women who live by faith, who do not put any trust in any stock in works of the law, but that you would humble us, Lord, to trust you and to glorify you uh, with our lives. Would you help us? Uh, would you help us to uh, have sympathy for those who fail around us? Uh, would you help us to have trust in you when we fail? Thank you, Lord, for the fact that you're the one who's work, at work in us, and you will complete the work that you've begun. And so may we as a church trust you and exalt you and lift your name high as we see and taste all the blessings that come from trusting and obeying with faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.